At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Horror Pickup Podcast. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> Welcome back to the Horror Pickup Podcast. Um, we're going to be starting this off with part five of the Can Anyone Help Me? I'm on a bus that refuses to stop, and I don't know where I am. Yes, my brother says, his voice breaking. He rubs his eyes with the back of his hand, but fails to catch a few tears from streaking down his dust-swept face after all this time. I don't know what even what to say. I don't know where to begin. But I keep my emotions under control, and when he rushes forward to squeeze me into a hug, I hug him back. Rye, I stuttered. When he pulls me back, I don't. There are creases besides his eyes. His jaw seems sharper, and he is covered in a layer of stubble. I look at his hand as he gently slides them down my arms and returns them to my sides. His left is covered in scars and deep scratches and the wrist and palm of his right have been wrapped in some kind of makeshift fingerless glove. I look at him and decide on some words. What happened to you, Rye? You're old. He laughs, and the sound warms me. Fuck off, yes, I'm not that old. And fine, sure, he looks to be a man in his late 20s, early 30s perhaps, but that's still a great deal older than he is supposed to be. The laughter leaves his face almost as quickly as it appeared. I've been waiting a long time, yes. A hell of a long time, looking for you. I had to. Looking for me? I don't... I don't understand. I've only been gone a few hours. Is that true? I think I've been on the bus now for the better part of a day, but still. No, yes, he says sadly. 
It's been a while. A long fucking while. The bus. Well, the bus never brought you home. I just stare at him. This man with my brother's voice. Rye, you're scaring me. Please, just tell me what's going on. How did you know I was on the bus? Guilt passes across his cold face. Because I'm the one who signed you up, he says quietly. I stare at him in silence. Fear and frustration and relief that he's even here all emerge and mingle together, painfully. The engine rumbles softly between us. I rub my hands down the sides of my face in thought and turn to look out the window. Another sign approaches, out there in the desert. This one is in such poor condition that the original text is completely illegible. But across it in the same black and oily paint is written a phrase. It uses English characters, but it's in Japanese. I think it says Kegariki Kuni, though it whizzes by pretty fast. Why would you do something like that? I ask him eventually. It was so stupid of me, Yaz. I'm so, so sorry. I was just frustrated with you. That's it. That's literally it. We'd had a fight. I don't even know if you even remember. I remember. It was only a week ago, I replied. Right, of course. Well, you disappeared one day, and I realized that I'd made a terrible mistake. I didn't even think anything would happen. I could never accurately describe to you the fear and the panic and the sheer agony of those first few days and weeks. I waited and waited and waited for you to come home, but you never did. I looked for you everywhere until it became clear that if I ever wanted to find you, I'd have to look a little further afield. How did you even get here, Rye? I ask, turning back to face him. The bus crossed over a set of ancient and silent metal tracks, like rails, for a train. They extend far out to the horizon in both directions and intersect the road at an exact 90-degree angle. Rye grimaces and rubs the back of his gloved hand. The bus is not the only way to travel between worlds, he murmurs. Another pause. The orange light of the ever-evening catches on what appears to be a great field of broken glass out in the black sands. It sparkles and shines directly into my eye, and I squint and cover that side of my face with my hand. I want to be angry with him. I really do. To give him hell for what he's done. But the emotions fade. To tell the honest truth, I'm just so happy to see you, Rye and Tam. Talk about that glow-up. He laughs at this, with heart, and then he draws me into another hug, tighter this time. Okay, okay, I say, wheezing, playfully pushing him away. So what's the plan? You found us. How are we all going to get home? And what are we going to do about your age? A terrible thought occurs to me, and I am struck by a sudden fear. Wait, has everyone aged as much as you? Back home? Mom and Dad? How much have I missed? How will we ever explain? He puts out a hand. I do not intend us to return to the time at which I left. We will return to the point of your departure, or near enough to make no difference. So what about you? How will we explain why you've aged so much? To this, Rai does not respond. Instead, he turns to Leah, who has been quietly watching us this entire time. Are you going to introduce me, he asks. Right. Sure. Sorry. Rai, this is Leah. Leah, this is, well, obviously, my brother, Ryan. Though he's, um, he's not supposed to be this old. Leah gives him a little wave, and Rai furrows his brow. Have we met before? I feel like I recognize you. Leah shakes her head. 
It's possible you've seen me around. I only live a couple blocks away from you guys. It's nice to meet you, by the way. Ryan nods, then claps his hands. So, the plan. I've seen the route. I've seen the tests and the challenges that lie ahead, in all their misery. I've ridden all the way to the Axis Mundi, and my plan is a simple one. Succeed where I have failed before. Get you to the end of the road and ensure that the bus takes the right path, the right path back home. Succeed where you failed before? Yes. My guilt runs deep, Yaz. I've ridden the bus, all while looking for you, of course. But I've accompanied travelers, like you guys, from city to city, station to station. Sad smile that does not reach his eyes passes fleetingly across his face. And for a moment, he stares out at nothing. In a motion that is perhaps unconscious, he reaches up to a chain around his neck, one that ends in a little cross. My brother is not particularly religious, and I do not recognize the chain. This is my eleventh journey on the bus. I go different distances each time. I told you I've been to the Axis Mundi, and whilst this is true, I have only been there once. The bus, it only ever runs in the same direction. And there are no other vehicles here. None that work anymore, anyway. So I always have to make my way back on foot across the desert. I shake my head. I don't get it. Why bother? Why walk all the way back to this spot? Why not just stay at the end to meet us there? Because, yes, he says. And with the phrase that sends my blood running cold, in my experience, passengers don't tend to survive past the tests in City 2. As he speaks, he reaches into his coat and draws out two smallish weapons, tossing one to each of us. At first glance, they appear to be blades or knives, but when they are fully out of his coat and in midair, it is clear that they have been altered. Blades have been replaced with what I'm presuming to be magnets of some kind. I catch mine, but Leah fumbles hers and drops it on the floor, bending down to pick it back up. So, do you know everything about this place then? And what happened to it? Leah asks cautiously. Rye shakes his head. I've pieced together a whole lot of information and made some educated guesses. There are still buildings standing in the Axis Mundi with useful intel inside, but I don't have the whole story, no. We pass by a disturbing scene at the side of the road. A machine has been strung up on a cracked and modified lamppost, crucified would be the most apt way to describe it. The machine's eyeless head is lolled to the side, arms stretched out high on either side of it. The gears and pistons and springs that comprise his joints are rusted and still, and the plates that make up his torso are badly corroded. His six crab-like legs hang limply down towards the sand, and whilst the sky's light glints like orange fire in the edges of his form, his shadow is long and dark across the dusty ground. The bus drives right on by. Rye lifts his gaze. He glances up to the look at the dim and silent light bulb. The one fixed into the ceiling above the driver's window. Won't be long now, he murmurs. And he was right. There's something coming. I can't see it, or even hear it. But I can feel it. Something awaits us down this road. I feel the shadowy tendrils of its presence against my skin. The engine, I swear even seems quiet a little in anticipation. One of the designers, the operators, I should say, he was obsessed with the idea of travel, 
if the file I read on him in the Axis Mundi was anywhere near accurate. The bus strikes a deep pothole in the road and shudders violently. Leah and I stumble a little, but Rai keeps perfect balance and goes on undisturbed, obsessed by bus travel in particular. A Japanese man he was, and one awed and inspired by his many journeys across the United States, across its sheer vastness, its open plains and fields, and its never-ending highways. Resting in the seat of a bus as the evening sun lights up the world beyond, as it casts its glow out above and over your skin, it warms you. As the dust motes drift through the air and the landscapes beyond roll by, Rai looks out the window, and it becomes clear that he is reciting words that he has read in the aforementioned files, one that he has committed to memory. You're neither here nor there. You're in purgatory. You and all strangers around you too, united temporarily by a common bond. You're between. He glances up to the bulb at the front of the bus, still dim. I don't know what the original purpose of this place was. New Eden, they called it. But now it is known by another name. The tests are a spiritual thing. They're supposed to determine moral character in a non-intrusive way. Non-intrusive, I reply. I share a look with Leah. Rye smiles humorlessly. I know. I know. As I said, this whole place is steadily falling apart. It's rotting. Poisoned? Leah mutters, and Rye nods in agreement. I reach out a hand to squeeze hers. I pause, midair, wondering if that would be weird. Despite everything, I still worry greatly about how I come across to others, about how I come across to her. The memories of her putting a hand on my knee and addressing the wounds round my feet make me realize how foolish I'm being, and I continue the motion, giving her palm a little squeeze. Are you okay? I ask her. She's been rather quiet since Rai appeared, though maybe she's just intimidated. I don't blame her. I look at him, and I still see my brother, but to a stranger, he's just a grisly, dust-covered, full-grown man. She nods. Rai glances up to the bulb. It's nearly time, he says, in a voice with such authority that I am instantly sent into a mode of alert, ready to follow whatever orders he might distribute. I've never heard him like this before. What have you seen out here, Ryan? How have you survived in these wastes, all alone? The magnets, he says. They'll draw the machines close. The creatures won't be able to help themselves. But once they realize what the magnets are, they'll panic. That's when you jam the weapon up against its head. Or chest. Or wherever, really. It seems to work, in my experience. Leah looks up and gestures to the driver. What about... Ryan shakes his head and interrupts. Won't affect the driver. Doesn't affect any of the drivers. I've tried it. He's made of stronger stuff, that bastard. The atmosphere draws tighter. So, what do we need to do? I ask him, fear ebbing away at me. What's the play? Just don't believe anything it says, Rye whispers. Please, don't believe a single word. And with that, the bulb burns a sudden orange, and a terrible buzz reverberates down the length of the bus and the distorted speakers crackle back into broken life. As always, just wanted to say thanks to Darkly Gathers for letting me use this story. It's a great story. Um, if you do like it, please go follow him. He's all over the No Sleep on Reddit. Thank you guys again.
Hope you all enjoyed this uh, section of the story. Um, if you did enjoy it and you want to hear more, please do give the channel a follow, a subscribe, depending on where you're at. Um, and if you want to get in the conversation with me, you can always head over to the Facebook page. It's at the Horror Pickup Podcast. Um, thank you guys so much, and I hope that you guys listen soon. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.